0: Hi, welcome to Talking France, a podcast by The Local in which we talk about France. In each episode, we'll look at the big news and talking points as well as explore and explain some of the most important aspects of life in the country. We'll answer your essential questions and look ahead at what's coming up. I'm your host, Ben McPartland, and on this week's episode, I'll be joined by The Local France's editor, Emma Pearson, her colleague, Genevieve Mansfield. We'll also hear from our columnist, John Litchfield, up in Normandy. Together, we'll look at what's new in France, which Frenchman is dominating all the headlines and why now is a great time to head to Provence. And for our main topic of discussion, we'll look at the climate crisis. How will it impact France? Which regions will be most affected? And is President Emmanuel Macron really prepared to do what needs to be done? It is, of course, a long weekend for many because of Ascension Day on Thursday. So we'll give you three things you need to know about those sacred public holidays in France. And as we do each week, we'll look ahead to some key events coming up. Let's get going. Emma, it's good to have you back on the podcast. Last time we were speaking, it was all about the presidential elections, the final. This podcast is going to be slightly different.
2: Yeah, that's right. We enjoyed doing the last one. Uh, some people seem to enjoy listening to it, which was nice. So we thought we'd bring it back. But last one was very heavily focused on the, the presidential elections. This one is going to be a bit more general. It's going to be about France. It's going to be about news. There'll be some politics because we've got another election coming up. But it'll also be about general life in France and maybe some French cheese.
0: And we've also got a new person with us. Hi, Jen. Jen's new to the local. Jen's from Washington, D.C. It's good to have you with us, Jen. You're going to be joining us throughout the show and future episodes.
1: Yes. Hi, Ben. I'm happy to be here.
0: Great. Let's move on. Now, we're going to run through some of the talking points in France at the moment, and we're going to start with a segment about what's new in France. Emma, is there anything newer in France, more shinier than the new French government.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure how shiny it is, but it's certainly new. We have a new government. Although, to be honest, that is a bit less dramatic than it sounds. It's really what we would call in English a government reshuffle. Macron has been re-elected, as we know, uh, and he's decided to rejig his leadership team. He's appointed a new PM. Uh, she is a woman. She is only the second female PM in France's history. And he's also shifted around his ministerial team. So some of these names are quite familiar. Some of the, the big names the last government have kept their job including uh, Bruno Le Maire at the finance ministry, Gerard Darmanin, the interior minister and Clément Beaune, the europe minister and also some of the sort of more junior ministers have just kind of shuffled around really but there are some new names that have been brought in probably the most high profile is a guy named Pap Ndaye he is an academic and he's been brought in to head up the education ministry.
0: Now, Emma, this government took an age to be announced, or Macron took an age to announce this government. We're all waiting for days. Is it here to stay? There could yet be changes.
2: <laughs> yeah, good question. Uh, there could be changes because we have more elections coming up in mid-June. Uh, we have the parliamentary elections. And of the 28 ministers in this new government, 15 of them are standing for election. And they have already said that if they fail to get re-elected, uh, they will stand down. Now, that's not actually compulsory. You don't have to be an MP to be a minister in the French government. It's quite usual for them to bring in sort of outside experts to head up ministries. But this time they have said that if they don't get elected and Elizabeth Bourne, the Prime Minister, is one of those standing, they will stand down. So it could be all change again in about three weeks.
0: Now, I'm just going to quickly bring in John Litchfield here, our political columnist. I asked John about France's new government and new Prime Minister, Elizabeth Bourne, and whether Emmanuel Macron will get a majority at the upcoming parliamentary elections.
3: I quite like the look of Elizabeth Bourne in in many ways. She was much more, I don't know, much more human than she comes over on TV when she visited my local town at the weekend where she's running for election in the parliamentary elections in in June. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure that it makes enormous difference to the outcome of the parliamentary elections one way or another. And I think, yes, I think Macron's alliance of whatever it is, six or seven different factions, will win at least a working majority in the parliament. The polls suggest that as well. They're rather strange in a way because they show that, at least they have been showing until recently, that the new Nupes or Nup, uh, left wing Green alliance, has got more votes in the first round, but that the Macron alliance will get more seats overall.
0: Now, each week, we will pick out somebody who is making headlines in France, for good or for bad. But whenever you open a French newspaper, this person is there. Emma, who is everyone talking about in France this week?
2: They're talking about a guy called Damien Abad. He is the new Disabilities Minister. It's the first time France had a Disabilities Minister. It was previously under the Health Ministry. And he has a disability himself. He has a degenerative condition that affects his joints. So this sounded like it might be quite a good news story, but unfortunately it's not because... Since he was appointed, it's come out that there are two historic rape allegations against him, which we should point out he denies.
0: Now, this is not the first time a high-profile minister in the French government has faced sexual assault allegations. Macron is quite used to dealing with this now.
2: Yeah, unfortunately that is the case. Uh, Back in 2020, Gérald Darmanin was appointed as the interior minister, which is nominally at least the head of the police force, and at that time there was a rape allegation into him. That has since been dropped, we should point out. But it's been quite interesting looking at the conversation around Damien Abad this time, and the conversation that happened when Darmanin was appointed, which was only two years ago, but It seems like the tone of the conversation has changed quite a lot. Back in 2020, it was really only sort of feminist groups protesting about Darmanin's appointment, whereas this time there's been calls from across the political spectrum for him to resign. And as you pointed out, he really is in every French newspaper on every TV channel right now.
0: And for our final part of the roundup, we will look at something that is happening in France this week. Jen... Tell us about lavender.
1: Yes. So one of the most famous tourist spots in France, the lavender fields in Provence, and we're expecting them to start flowering soon. It's actually a bit early this year. You might have noticed that we had a hot spell these last couple of weeks, and that actually might mean that our lavender fields are going to flower a bit earlier than normal. Normally, we don't see them bloom until mid-June, but it's still probably worth waiting a little bit longer to head down to Provence to uh, see the purple.
0: They are really well worth a visit. Not that I've seen them, but I really do want to go. I've seen so many pictures on the internet over the years. They do look really, really impressive. Thank you, Jen. France, like the rest of the world, is facing an ever worsening climate crisis and the pressure on governments to act is ramping up. Global scientists have long been raising the alarm that time is running out before the damage done to the earth is irreparable. Whilst experts in France have long detailed the many ways rising temperatures and sea levels will impact the country permanently. Yet in the recent French presidential election, environmental issues were hardly a priority with the cost of living crisis taking center stage. But there are signs that President Emmanuel Macron is now pushing the climate crisis up the agenda. Emma, it feels there's been a shift in Macron's priorities. What's been happening?
2: Well, that's a good question. We've had a big structural change recently. We mentioned the new government. As part of that, we've had an expansion of the environmental role. We don't now have one environment minister. We have two ministers who are responsible for separate parts of uh, environmental policy. And the prime minister has also had uh, what they call the transition écologique added to her job title. So we've now got three women who are in charge of this, PM in charge of the overall strategy. We have a minister who's in charge of energy policy, and we have a minister who's in charge of introducing practical changes to all aspects of French life, really, to account for the climate crisis. But while all that sounds quite good, there have been plenty of criticism of it. Uh, One of them is that of the three women who are now heading up the environmental transition, none of them particularly have a background in environment. We've seen a lot of talk uh, over the last week about how everybody has to get involved in, uh, in the change. Everyone has, to, all the departments have to be involved, the local mayors have to be involved, but there doesn't really seem to be any kind of actual plan as to what we're going to do about this yet.
0: Now, I'm just going to bring back John Litchfield, our political columnist here. I asked John about Macron's priorities for the climate crisis and what kind of a challenge it will be to deal with this issue of the environment, as well as the huge cost of living crisis in France at the moment.
3: Well, it's, it's it's a huge problem to reconcile for all uh, democratic governments in the world. I think it's not just a French problem. France, maybe in some ways, because it has such a large block of nuclear energy in its uh, energy mix, has an easier task in some ways than other countries. But of course, that is in itself controversial in this country. Yes, I think there will probably be a greener tinge to, to this uh, second term than there was to the first. There has to be, if he, if he meets the commitments that they've made. And I suspect that will be the case. Reality tends to intervene, and it's going to be difficult for him to square that with the need to keep the economy afloat, because the other great pressure is not just the environmental one, but the pressures caused by by the Ukraine war, by inflation generally in the world, which is going to make it very, very difficult for him to have the same kind of economic success that he had in his first five years.
0: Don't forget, if you'd like to be able to read John's weekly analysis on France and all our articles, you can join now at a discount price by visiting www.thelocal.fr slash podcast offer. Now, Jen, you've been looking at some of the ways the climate crisis will impact France and what the specific challenges are ahead for the French government. Tell us more.
1: Yeah, so French President Emmanuel Macron is going to have a pretty long list of things to focus on when it comes to tackling the climate crisis in France. Obviously, we've been talking about heat a lot lately, and heat waves, they actually pose a really specific problem for France, not only just for French food and holidays, but for French people, too. So you may not realize this, but half of the territory in the French country is farmland. Lately, we've been talking a lot about how Ukraine is the breadbasket for the world, but for the EU, that's France. We might have to get used to fewer baguettes in the future, especially if global warming reaches the two-degree mark that we're afraid of.
0: And the agricultural sector is so important in France.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of French culture and tradition is is wrapped up in it, like the wine industry. So higher temperatures, especially in wine growing regions like Bordeaux, will have really particular impacts on wine. So basically, as the weather gets warmer, that means that the grapes mature faster. And so, for example, maybe we have a warm winter and that means that our grapes are getting mature too quickly. And then they become very vulnerable to a random cold snap that might happen in March or April. This actually happened in 2021 and vineyards lost up to a third of their grapes. But it's not just the possibility of losing grapes that we should be concerned about. When it gets warmer, the grapes produce more sugar. So that means when it comes time to cultivate the wine, they actually end up with a higher alcohol content, which means that the flavor that you're used to for Bordeaux is probably going to be a bit different in the next four years. And I mean, wine growers, they're trying to adapt, but there's still this hugely important idea of the terroir, like the land that the wine is grown on. And it's kind of difficult to imagine drinking a Merlot from somewhere other than Bordeaux.
0: Indeed, wine grows down in Bordeaux, uh, hugely concerned about the climate crisis. Now, when it comes to holidays, Jen, I mean, millions come to France for holidays. They will presumably have to change in the future the traditions, the places we go, what we do on holiday in France if the climate crisis uh, gets worse.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, the climate crisis means that temperatures are getting warmer and that means less snow. Uh, So specifically for those ski stations that are under 1500 meters, that means they're going to get less and less snow. And that kind of raises the question as to whether or not we'll be using artificial snow, which in itself is quite controversial. So we'll be looking at very different ski holidays, but we'll also be looking at different summer holidays, too. I mean, we all imagine this wonderful summer on the beach, maybe uh, an island in Bretagne. But coastal erosion is threatening at least a fifth of France's coastline. So it's not just our winter holidays that we have to worry about.
0: Now, talking about food and holidays, it all makes it feel slightly trivial, perhaps. But of course, there's a real human element around the impact of the climate crisis in France.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, the real impact of the climate crisis in France is that people could lose their jobs, people could lose their homes. There's also just the question of, Survival. I mean, in France, most people don't have air conditioning in their homes and elderly people are in particular danger from the heat. Like in 2003, record numbers of elderly people died from heat related deaths during a a large heat wave. And the French government has made a lot of improvement in terms of protecting people from heat waves, like developing an emergency plan and requiring homes for elderly people to have cooling rooms. But these efforts against heat waves, they're still like heat waves are still a big threat to human life, um, as well as animal life, like fish and oysters who will be seriously impacted by warming waters. So basically, France has some specifically French climate change related issues to tackle, and, and it'll take a lot of coordination to make that happen.
0: Indeed, we just had a kind of mini heatwave in May, which didn't feel too scary given that it was in May and I think everybody was quite happy with the warmth. But we know having you know been through Julys and Augusts in France previously, the heat can be punishing. So, you know, this is kind of what we've got to face in the future. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Emma, for that. Each week on Talking France, we'll try to explain a core aspect of French life, something that if you live here or visit regularly, you really should know about. It could be anything from the cuisine to the language and culture, or even just driving habits. This week, we have chosen the subject very close to French hearts. It is public holidays. Let's pick three things to know about French public holidays. Emma, number one, How many are there?
2: It depends where you live, Ben. Uh, Most parts of France, you get 11 public holidays per year. But if you live in Alsace-Lorraine, you get 13 public holidays a year for quite complicated reasons related to war and Germany.
0: Okay, now these, you don't get 11 every year, do we? Uh,
2: No, in the UK uh, we tend to have public holidays just on the nearest Monday to whenever the date is, but in France the holiday is on the day that it falls, so that has good sides, Uh, you can pair them with pair them with weekends, make a nice long weekend, but if your holiday happens to fall on a Saturday or a Sunday, then you just don't get an extra day off, so that's why we talk about having good years and bad years for public holidays in France, this year is a bad year.
0: Indeed, it's one of the things we look for every calendar year, when the public holidays this year we look May the 1st and May the 8th because they fell on a weekend. We're still bitter about that. Uh, And we lost Christmas, I think, uh, last year as well, didn't we? And New Year. And New Year, my goodness. Right, number two. The French have a particular language to talk about public holidays, do they not?
2: They do. You'll often hear French people talking about to faire le pont, which means to do the bridge. Uh, And even faire le viaduc. Faire le viaduc, yes. Um, And this is basically combining your annual leave and your public holidays to make lovely long weekends. So, as we said... Public holidays fall on a different day. If your public holiday falls on a Saturday or a Sunday, bad luck, you've lost it. If it falls on a Monday or a Friday, nice long weekend, all fine. But if your public holiday falls on a Tuesday or a Thursday, then you can fail upon, which means that you take one day of your annual holiday leave on the Monday or the Friday and you create a nice long four-day weekend for you.
0: And we presume that our listeners, many of our listeners, will be Faireing Le Pont.
2: Absolutely, and like the French probably go bonkers for this, that this is the first weekend that it's been possible to fare Le Pont, and you can kind of see there's like been traffic, traffic warnings, there's been terrible traffic as people were leaving, so it's like a, a big thing for French families to take this long weekend and go away.
0: Huge. And point number three, why do we have religious holidays in such a secular state?
2: <laughs> this is an excellent question and this is one that i asked uh, rimsara alohan about when we did a previous uh, version of this podcast she's a, an expert on laicite and i asked her this question and she basically laughed and said that it's because france's real religion is holidays um she was joking a little bit but yes it, it is a, a complicated question there's lots of different factors but basically it's because the the rules on laicite on the secular state were only formalized in 1905 and by then, France already had quite a lot of public holidays, most of which were linked to sort of Catholic holidays in the Catholic church calendar. They've sort of been tweaked quite a lot since then, but there hasn't really been a French politician who's been either brave enough or perhaps stupid enough to suggest to the French that they might want to give up a load of their public holidays. And I don't really see that happening in the future either.
0: No indeed, they're not all religious we should say They do have July the 14th for Bastille Day
2: The Fête Nationale, yes And they have,
0: is it November the 11th?
2: Uh, Yeah, we have two uh, holidays related to wars Uh, We have VE Day which falls on May 8th Which is the end of the Second World War And we have Armistice Day on uh, November 11th Which is the end of the First World War
0: Indeed, thank you very much Public holidays in France A real, real aspect of life here And we hope everyone's enjoying their uh, long weekend Now each week we will try to answer a question sent in by readers and this question hasn't been sent in by one reader, it's sent in by numerous readers in recent weeks. Many, many people out there want to know about travel restrictions. Now we've come out of the pandemic, we've had over two years of COVID and really tight travel restrictions, people are still asking understandably what restrictions remain. Emma, is everyone free to travel at the moment around Europe?
2: Um, yeah, you're free to travel. It depends where you're going and it depends if you're vaccinated. If you're within the EU or the Schengen zone and you're fully vaccinated, then jobs are good and off you go. All you need to do, is flash your vaccine passport at the border and that's it. There's no extra paperwork, there's no requirement for testing, nothing. If you're not fully vaccinated, some countries still require a negative Covid test in order to enter, including France. So wherever you're going, if you're coming back to France, you will need that uh, negative test. And we should just point out that if you had your second vaccine dose more than nine months ago you will need a booster shot in order to be considered fully vaccinated according to the the travel rules if you've had a booster you're good to go even if it was more than nine months ago
0: and there's no talk about needing a, a second booster or a fourth dose at the moment
2: no nothing like that
0: okay and just finally what is paxlovid and why am i asking you what paxlovid is uh
2: you're asking me because quite a few of our readers have been asking us about uh, about this i guess if you're traveling you want to make sure that things are available just in case the worst happens and you do fall sick while you're holiday. Paxlovid is a COVID treatment, so if you get it, you can take it. It is available in France. It was licensed back in February. It's available from pharmacies, but with a prescription. And it's usually prescribed to people who are at high risk of developing the most severe forms of COVID. So that would be people who've got underlying illnesses, a um, compromised immune system. If you're fully vaccinated and you have no underlying medical conditions, you probably won't need this. But it is available, obviously, under medical supervision, the same as any other type of treatment.
0: Thank you, Emma. Now, don't forget, listeners, if you have questions that you'd like us to answer on this podcast or indeed in articles on our website, you can email us at news at the local.fr. And if you like what you listen to, please take the time to leave a review on the site where you're listening to this podcast. It all helps. Finally, let's look ahead. In the final section of today's podcast, and each week, we're going to take a look at some of the events. And key dates coming up in France. What's coming up in
2: France, guys? Uh, It's Mother's Day on Sunday, so if anyone hasn't got a card, get on with it. Uh, And we also have some tax deadlines coming up in like super exciting but actually quite important news. Looking a bit further ahead, in mid-June we've got the parliamentary elections that we talked about and that's where we find out whether Macron, having been re-elected, gets the parliamentary majority he needs to actually carry out his reform processes. And I believe there's also here in Paris some kind of football match on Saturday, which Ben keeps telling me is important.
0: There is a huge football match in Paris on Saturday. This football match was meant to be held in St. Petersburg but due to the war in Ukraine, it was moved to the Stade de France. It's the final of the Champions League in Paris on Saturday night and we're expecting 50,000 to 60,000 Liverpoolians in Paris over this weekend. That's going to be quite a shock to the locals, I feel. Although there is talk of setting up a fan zone in one part of Paris, probably to keep them separate from all the Parisians who just want to go out for a walk and a quiet meal, as they usually do on a Saturday night. That's something to watch out for.
2: So we're cheering on Real Madrid, yeah?
0: Emma, behave yourself. We're not. (laughs) Right. Thank you guys for joining us on this week's podcast. Thank you, Emma. No problem. Thanks, Jen. Thanks. And thanks to everybody for listening. And don't forget, if you've got any feedback or suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Please email in. Hope you all have a great weekend.